I may bother you later this semester to actually do something related to bass. You I know I love to be bothered about bass. I so. know, bothered about bass. That is Ander, absolutely. So. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> bothered about bass. <laughs> Season four, Robbie here. Thank you so much for joining us. As you all are probably going to notice, I am here on my own. I mean, I'm here with a really awesome guest, which I will, who I will get to in a minute, but we're gonna be having some program changes this season with the boys doing their thing. Justin is now an assistant professor at West Virginia University and is also the Spanish coordinator. Yeah, it's really exciting. Lots of work, I, I understand, but he's doing he's doing his thing. He's living the dream. Bowden is also living the dream. He is getting on up there in his PhD program, still at the University of Alabama, but this he's specializing in qualitative research. Yeah. You know, they got a lot going on. They're doing their thing, and so they'll be back here and there on the program as it goes. But I will be um, I'll be figuring it out, and you guys are going to be on the ride with me. So to start off season four, I'm so excited. We're going to be we I I will be talking with my really good colleague and friend, Ander, and we're gonna learn some pretty cool stuff because that's just us, like him in general, to be honest. I've learned many things from this man. All right, so just stay tuned. We'll be back in just a moment. by Ander. He is a second year PhD student here at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign and he does it all. I'm talking Spanish linguistics, I'm talking romance linguistics, I'm talking second language acquisition and teacher education. He does all the good things, all the interesting things and I'm really excited to talk to him today about all his research interests. So he looks a lot at phonology in terms of L1 and L2, bilingualism, and dialectology. He has mainly worked with Spanish and Basque bilinguals, and he's actually, this man has written a dictionary. It's great. He's written a dictionary on the dialect of Basque that he grew up speaking from Aspetia. And I'm just really happy I pronounced that correctly because he was my Basque instructor, so yeah, go me. And currently he is having, you just finished submitting your prelims, right? Yes. Yes, all right. Yes. So he just finished his prelims and now it's time for that methodology and tool design. So we have a lot to talk about. Mm -hmm. but anyway, welcome. Thanks so much Thank for joining so much. me. Thank you so much. Thank you. So let's go ahead and you know kind of dive in a bit I want to hear about what your experience has been with your research how did you get there how's it how's it going maybe you could talk about your prelims or you could talk about where you think it's going in terms mm -hmm. of your dissertation mm -hmm. first of all I want to say that I'm very happy to be here because I've actually heard your podcast before I heard uh, Trisha's I've also I, I remember that you started one of the seasons with Charlotte right yeah, yeah. so that was a really cool one I enjoyed mm -hmm. that one and I also listened to other ones so I'm really excited that I'm here as, I'm excited you're here so as, it works out great as one of your guests. <laughs> so my research so as you say I do a lot of things and I feel like that's very, in a way, a very European thing in the sense that we are very... I don't like to just focus my work in one thing. Because mm -hmm. I feel mm -hmm. like, yes, true, like you can be an expert in that. But to me, you got to explore many things to finally see what you like, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like having started from my MA here, 
and that was the very first time that I actually started doing uh, research. It gave me a really good opportunity to explore different fields while taking classes and mm -hmm. like talking to professors and then actually getting to do my own research. Mm -hmm. So uh, as you were saying, yes, I have mostly worked with Basque and Spanish bilinguals mm -hmm. so far and now uh, during my master's. And now that I am in the PhD, I decided to focus more on Spanish, okay. right? I'm, I'm conducting a PhD in Hispanic linguistics, so mm -hmm. I love Basque. I think that, of course, I'm gonna keep working on Basque, but I think of it now more as a side project, right? right. Like okay. I can, I'll keep uh, like working on Basque phonology, which I love, and I think it's very interesting, and we still have a lot to explore there. For sure. But so right now, I want to focus more on Spanish. So. So as you know, my two prelims, so how it works in the Spanish department is, so you have to write two preliminary research papers, mm -hmm. right? And those papers can, can be related to your thesis or not. So what am I doing right now? I'm working with acoustic and aerodynamic data, which sounds super cool. And you're like, it what? It is super cool. That aerodynamic, yes. that's intense. I love this. Yes, because you think, well, the first time I bumped into this word, well, <laughs> when you see this word, you always think of cars, right? Like, oh, yeah. like what's the design? What's the, what's the aerodynamic of, like, of this, right? Yeah, I think of like cars and like NASA. Apparently I say that incorrectly, that actually. What is it, NASA? NASA? Nas NASA. NASA. Oh, and because I, of the, oh, you, I remember I, you said that. Yeah. The, S or Z, right. right? And so I actually put it on my Twitter, like a poll. You made a poll? Okay, I see. I'm the only one that wrote like NASA. And That's everyone else says NASA. Okay, so but you voice it. Okay. Yeah, but I think it's because my vowels are longer, like I elongate them. Okay. I don't know. I leave that to you, the you know, <laughs> the person who works with phonetics and aerodynamics. This is so cool. So you will say, how, how does aerodynamic apply to linguistics, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. Well, in broad sense, I'm not going to be too specific. Right. I'll, you, you'll be able to read that in my dissertation. Exactly. In simple terms, mm -hmm. how aerodynamics work is we analyze or we examine how a physical object, or how air affects a physical object. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So how do we apply this to linguistics? Well, we have many things inside our mouth, right? <laughs> we have our tongue, we have the villum, we have our palate, right? Mm -hmm. So what I'm gonna be looking at is, I'll be looking at the villum, because mm -hmm. I'm gonna be looking at the uh, nasalization. Uh -huh. So we know how nasalization and the villum mm -hmm. are related, right? right? So when the villum goes up, that means mm -hmm. that the air coming from down there, it's gonna come out of your nose. Mm -hmm. So, and when the villum is down, that means that the nasal cavity is closed, so all the air is gonna come through your mouth, right? So the mm -hmm. oral cavity. So I'm gonna be looking at how, these, uh, how the villum in our mouth moves in the production of different kind of segments. I'm not gonna say uh -huh. too much. I'm right, just gonna, right. I'm gonna keep that to myself, yes. but you'll be able to see that. It'll so. be a surprise. You it'll guys will have to stay tuned. But yeah, so I'm gonna be doing that. And since, I, well, aerodynamics is very cool, mm -hmm. but the acoustic data that we get from those recordings is not the best because oh. the methodology that we employ, sometimes it's, it's very good for one thing, but it lacks some kind of power for other things, right? right? Like right. The, the perfect machine does not exist. Yes. So, um, You'll probably discover it, to be honest. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> and, uh, so then I'll be looking at pretty much the, like the same thing, but looking at the acoustics. And, uh, and what I'll try to do in the end is kind of merge the two and see where we see the common pattern in okay. like aerodynamics and acoustic, like high quality Amazing. acoustic data. So see how the two, because sometimes, you know, they say like, oh yeah, when there's something that is more nasal, the four months go down. And it's like, okay, but like, 
show me with something show else. me show me the so data. what i'm gonna be doing is yeah i'm gonna be providing some aerodynamic data which is not articulation that's the, the aerodynamics right in between acoustic and articulation oh, okay. in a way okay yeah. so i'm not oh, specifically right. looking at how the tongue moves or what's mm -hmm. the movement like forward or backward that they do that it mm -hmm. does but yeah i'll be looking it's something in between so it tells you how something is moving in the air like uh, how the air is going through that physical like muscle in this. Guy. So what's really lovely about our program, well your program technically, but a program here at UIUC, is that we have like these great options. So you're pursuing romance linguistics mm -hmm. and slate as concentrations, but also within the Spanish and Portuguese department, y'all offer classes in Catalan, which is where we met, yeah. and then Basque, which is what you have taught. Mm -hmm. um, and you're teaching again. This I'm teaching semester. again this right, semester, right, right. yes. And so I wanted to kind of ask you like, you know, being able to teach your language that, you know, you grew up with and it's like a minoritized language but it's so linguistically rich you know mm -hmm. it, i was obsessed with it last last semester so i think you've always been in the last semester you had the actual a bass class i was so <laughs> excited but yes i have i will admit i have always been obsessed with the regional languages in, in mm -hmm. spain in particular for some reason and i was just wondering how does it feel to like be part of a school in the u.s one of the few that you know has a program like this mm -hmm. and you know seeing Basque is so present it's so everywhere here and i just want to actually look into it i'm interested how does that feel like it feels amazing right i'm not gonna lie to you like it feels <laughs> it feels just so it's just a great feeling mm -hmm. to be so far from home mm -hmm. but seeing that there's american people that you would that you would never think that know about the basque country about basque like mm -hmm. come on like like why even right, right when you're not like if you're <clears throat> if you're like you say it's very linguistically rich so mm -hmm. if you're a linguistic student of course like your professor is going to tell you about this language in europe that it's the last it's like obscure. Uh, uh, obscure like you don't know where it comes isolate. from yeah. isolate, right? <laughs> so then you know but like other students like i had students like last semester you remember we were in class mm -hmm. and there were students from the it's economics like, and right. like why advertising, are you advertising biology. biology what else did we have last semester the, yeah, we had everything. the computer science at the beginning and i was like how what? did you how how right. even how even so really 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 makes me happy right and like, it's to the point that basque is so popular and so visible so there's a good chunk of your department yeah that are basque yeah. students you know and so there's a there's a good portion of you guys who are from the basque country and it's really cool because you guys are all from different parts and you have mm -hmm. different experiences but like basque is promoted by your department and then you also run now the facebook page yeah. it's not only me and i don't i have you to give, and others. i have to give credit to other people as well right. because it's not we have we have a team so we have a team which is it's different people from the department we're all from the basque country right and each one of us kind of covers different topics and i don't know i just i just really like to show where mm -hmm. i'm from and like all the cultural diversity and like richness that we have in the, in, in spain because right. we have like so much as you know yeah oh yeah i know i mean you know so great it's so it's so great i love the basque country it's so wonderful and it's really nice to see like you know tas make a difference like even though it depends on programs because you know like bigger departments like history english and stuff they have hundreds of students per semester like they're grading mm -hmm. or they're help they're assisting on a class or they're teaching discussion sections but i think a really great advantage for you know foreign language courses is that we get to have more interaction more interpersonal yeah. reaction with them so i kind of think this is like a nice transition into your teaching yeah. um 
I love teaching. So. You, yeah, you're, and you're so good at it. I can, I can attest. So, what are you teaching this semester? I know there's something new on the plate going. Yes. On. So, yes. like you said, I'm teaching Basque 401, beginners mm -hmm. Basque mm -hmm. again, and it's going great. Very exciting. Next week, we're having a, a class of on the Basque diaspora, <gasps> and I have favorite. one student who is from originally from Boise. And, oh my gosh! So, and, okay. and she's uh, like her family emigrated from the Basque country to Boise. So That's I've amazing. asked her to give like a short presentation of her family's like history, uh -huh. and she's very excited, and I'm super excited as well because I feel like that's how oh. we all learn. Because like yeah. I can give you the theory that I know, but like, and I can tell how, about how my dad's family, like cousins and like Bring great aunts, so how mm -hmm. they like they moved from the Basque country to Argentina, for example, because right. they did that. Mm -hmm. But like I cannot give you like a real you know like experience right. thing like I can tell For you sure. the theory but not the practice that's and so wonderful so I asked I talked to her and she said that she would love it and apparently like her grandma she was telling me apparently her grandma's recordings and like materials and stuff are available in these museum I don't know where in the US but I don't know if the museum is in Oregon or in Idaho mm -hmm. I don't know but uh, she said that there's a museum on Basque culture and histories, which you, is amazing. You gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta, you gotta go. gotta go. Yeah. So I'm teaching that. Sorry uh -huh. that I always. No, you're super I do this you're, all no, the time. And uh, we all get like that about our classes for sure. And um, so you're teaching Basque. And, and then I'm teaching Spanish in the United States, which okay. is a class that I'm teaching for the first time. Okay. It's it's been different. Mm -hmm. I, I'm loving it. I, I'm loving it, but it's. I'm more used to teaching, so so far when I've taught the upper level classes in the Spanish department, mm -hmm. I've taught the sounds of Spanish, which is like an introduction class to Spanish phonetics. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's phonetics, so you know, it's like A is A, B is B, like there's no like abstraction. I mean, yeah, it's abstract, it is abstract, <laughs> right. but, but like... <laughs> It's it, not. It is what it is. Right. And it's something that you're, I think, more used to teaching kind of because when, you know, you work with linguistic studies a lot and you mm -hmm. get very, you you work with very concrete concepts mm -hmm. and ideas, you know, I get that. But now like you're teaching a class that kind of brings in more, culture. it's more interdisciplinary. Yeah. More yeah. interdisciplinary. And, you're, and like you said, like you're depending on culture, you're depending on perceived experiences mm -hmm. and a lot of politics and yeah. a lot of yes ooh, maybe some touchy subjects there we yeah we haven't gotten to the really touchy ones yet but mm -hmm. of course we will because i'm teaching spanish in the u.s and yep. right now spanish in the u.s it's a heated topic so right it's a heated topic we'll for sure there. but like luckily i think for, at least based on my experiences in the french department <laughs> the students who take our classes do have an invested interest. They see either language as like something to put in their toolkit, uh -huh. something to get them to advance them, something to enrich their lives, which makes me super happy. Yes, yes. I love when they stop by the bake sale and they like ask things yeah. in French and we're just like, great, you yeah. study chapter four. This makes me so happy. And things like this. So I really think you're gonna have a lot of fruitful discussions. I don't We have. Yeah. We have. Already, yeah, and it's like only you, been like four weeks. Like you say, um, so these students have 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 an interest because mm -hmm. it's not first of all it's not a class that you take for to to fulfill the language requirements. So these students are either Spanish minors or majors, and many of them. What happens with this class specifically mm -hmm. is that many of them are heritage speakers of Spanish, mm -hmm. and they take this oh, class because of like their, their okay. interest. Right. So I think I, it's really interesting because like when with Sada's work, for example, she works a lot with how heritage speakers of Spanish interact in these foreign language classrooms where they're trying to learn Spanish but they don't have the necessary tools they don't mm -hmm. have the resources that really facilitate 
the heritage speakers experience because they have some knowledges and some experiences with this language that they've mm -hmm. grown up with but in other ways they're kind of disadvantaged and so i was wondering and those that's mostly in language focused classrooms but now you're teaching these heritage speakers in a classroom that is taught in spanish but also now you're kind of you're kind of confronting those same obstacles but in a in a more i think intimate way because you're looking at like their individual cultures, mm -hmm. their individual experiences, and how they're relating back their their positioning in society, yeah, and they're seeing totally. reflections of themselves in this larger picture. The sociolinguist is popping out I, at me I right now. <laughs> I can see that. No, but it's but it's really yeah. Big. So I was just wondering, like, how do you? I mean, have you encountered something like that yet, or are you anticipating? Yeah. No, it? no, no. Actually, yes. Mm -hmm. I um, so in my class, there's. There's a lot of heritage speakers. I right. would say, like maybe like half, maybe no, more maybe than not, half? maybe not so much, maybe okay. not so much. But I would say that. But so a good I chunk. have I have 25 students, mm -hmm. and I would say that yeah, maybe 10, 10 or so are heritage speakers. That's a significant yeah. amount for yeah. sure. And That's almost half. Whenever yeah, whenever mm -hmm. I ask them questions, so, well, first of all, I always start with like, the, the, like the chapter. So we start with the theory and all that. Right. And I always have like activities for them ready to 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 debate because I I want them to talk. That's what I want right. to talk to talk about society, to talk about their role in society, to talk about mm -hmm. how Spanish is seen in the US. Mm -hmm. And I always try to show them like like videos of programs so that we can really see some bad things and good things and see right. how they cope with those things. Because they're gonna see that in, in mm -hmm. society. Like it's, 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 it's an ugly world and it's these unavoidable. things happen. It's, it's unavoidable. unavoidable. Unfo it's unfortunate, but it's unavoidable. But like, you know, there's things that you can do in the classroom that can kind of shed light and really yeah. like refocus their perspective and right? you know that i'm the kind of person that thinks that filtered classes are mm -hmm. fake classes right like for example uh like last semester when we were in basque and mm -hmm. we talked about the pol that political class that was really that was, was something a, that was, was something for class. for everybody even like for me as well mm -hmm. that was that was intense that was very but i think that that was necessary we, i think because you could you, you yeah. when you learn basque and you when, when you learn about basque culture and this i really made sure that last semester mm -hmm. that's one of the things that i changed from like previous semesters in basque i decided mm -hmm. that i wanted to have classes specifically focused on culture right. like yes we have language but let's have culture and not just have culture in like the last 10 minutes of class you know like let's have like a full session mm -hmm. and with that in basque like the, the class in in basque politics was like two full sessions and it that was, was a lot. that was that, i mean it was it was just very because even like for me who has been as you said like i've been obsessed with this for a while since i think oh my gosh since i was an undergrad mm -hmm. yeah even like for someone like me who's really who really is interested who has been exposed to kind of terms especially concerning the history between the basque country and, and the rest of spain i learned so much because i think your perspective combined with what the materials combined with that film and all the interviews it was just like it made it, it so well. real it made it so real and it is real for so many people and we really do tend to forget that in class and so like in your class, we know Spanish in the US is a heated topic. Mm -hmm. But I think we're really desensitized mm -hmm. to many really terrible things now. And so I can always like, oh yeah, it is really, you know, it is a heated topic, so what? But when you're in class, when you're uh -huh. engaging with it, 
it, it becomes real for your students, yes. right? Yes, and uh, what I always try to do is me being... I mean, I'm not... I haven't lived with, like, any of my students' experiences in the U.S. Like, I don't know what that is because I'm from Spain. That's an official language. So right. I really don't know what it is to, mm -hmm. to, to be, like, a Hispanic person in the U.S., you know, like, it's or very, a Latino. or Latina, Right? Mm -hmm. So I can talk from my perspective of my... This is my... Uh, I've been living in the U.S. for five years. Mm -hmm. I know what it is to, like, speak Spanish in the U.S., but, like, really, I don't know what, what, what these people have gone through or, like, you know, like... Uh, so... I, and, and, and I acknowledge that I when, when they gave me this class at first I was like wow mm -hmm. how am I going to tackle this like how am I going to approach this from first of all a professional way like because I need to learn in every class that you teach you learn even if it's Spanish one-on-one okay. you know like you or, always learn. like you always sure. learn because like they like the first time that I was teaching Spanish here they always think oh you're a native speaker of Spanish you're, you're gonna be good but then, you know what's the thing? It's hard because if you are, sure thing, you're going to have your native pronunciation if that's important to you. But how do I explain if it is the imperfect or the prerogative when you have never thought about it? Like to you, it's natural. How am I going? Whereas a second language learner that is teaching Spanish has that background. It's like right. the same thing with me teaching English. Like I might know some things that maybe you, I mean, you, I'm sure you do, but uh, <laughs> many other people that have not thought about it. I'm like, sure most people know. on this program are very familiar with my experiences with English not being that great. No. Okay. So, <laughs> so I think we're maybe on the same level, yeah. but no, for sure. Like it, it is very difficult. And so we do have this, you know, preconceived, you know, community perspective that the native model is the ideal model. Mm -hmm. And then we do have native speakers who teach and they're wonderful teachers, but there's some times when there's concepts that just come so naturally and you've mm -hmm. never had to think through mm -hmm. it. Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you, por versus para, after so many years of my life, I'm never going to get it 100% of the time. Por and para but like, for, like... for you, like it's, you know, maybe sometimes you'll slip up, but like for the most part, like... Did you not tell me that there was a book coming out that was just on how to teach por y para. There is was one. It you? Yes, I someone think told me that. It's on. It was on Twitter. Okay. Everything I know about linguistics <laughs> is on Twitter. Okay. Um, but yes, there is because that is it's such a big thing and um, and it's because I think my instructors were mostly they were coming from the perspective of being fluent native speakers sometimes. And they don't really think through these lessons and they mm -hmm. don't think that like I need to slow down and stop mm -hmm. um, because like for example one time I had to teach like an English class and I had to teach a certain grammar but I had to explain that this grammar exists but we don't use it anymore oh like who versus who Oh, yeah. Right? Right? Because, I mean, yeah. yeah it's, and then you have students like me doing exercises with who versus whom, and it's like, why am I doing this? It's useless. It's useless. It's like in French. It's the funniest thing. And Dr. Moles will say this too to her students because she'll ask you, like, ça va? Like, ça, like you know, ça va bien, ma? And they're like, comme si, comme ça. She's like, never have a French person ever said that in their life. That is like the least French thing you could say. Comme si, comme ça? No, that is not a thing. I didn't learn that until I was in grad school. Oh my God. So I went through, like, I started learning French when I was 11. Yeah. And then I'm like 20. And I've been saying, come see, come saw my whole life. And then I, it took somebody to literally say explicitly, we, we don't say. actually say that. You know? And it's things like that. And so I think that people like you who are native speakers of the language that you're teaching, they have all these great advantages, like telling us that 
we don't actually say that. But then there's sometimes when you're just like, there's certain things that you can't really explain. It's just so yeah. natural. It's so natural. Or like when you order adjectives in in, in English. English. That's that that to me. Like I remember when it's I was like taking puzzle. when I was taking English, mm -hmm. and I remember that my English teacher t gave us these like rule ordering like mm -hmm. first is this then is that then is this then is that and i had to i did this like kind of um oh, it's like a, i think it's mnemonics i think that's how it's called oh, but i'm not sure so uh know, and uh, no idea. <laughs> and uh, if that up to like today i still don't know i have to ask friends and be like if i say this this way if i move this natural? here is it different mm -hmm. like if i say my patient fellow friends or my fellow patient friends is it the same thing or no like i don't know it, it yeah because you're trying to get that information but then there's you're trying to communicate and then you do communicate and yeah. that's the goal for our students mm -hmm. right but then there's that next level where they're like but i want to sound less i want to sound more like an actual speaker yeah and then it goes to that whole debate of what is an actual speaker yeah. spanish or french or whatever and that's know. why i was saying if you if you if you caught it that's why he said <laughs> if having native speaker pronunciation is imp is important to you, you know, if right. it is. Because, yeah. I mean, is, is, that, is that the main thing or no? Exactly. And it, it depends on the goals of the class, the goals exactly. of the individual student. Exactly. And, you know, it's... Motivation. And motivation. It's a whole mesh of things. Yes. And, and in the end, it's just really great that we have this opportunity to kind of shape actually I think reshape, reformulate mm. these future generations of students because we still have the students who come in and they expect us to give them vocabulary, to give them grammar structures, like formulas, yeah. fill in the blank, you know the language. And they get these perceptions from like their parents or yeah, from yeah, yeah. environments they've grown up in. And so now it's on us to kind of reformulate yes. this. Hopefully will propel us to have wonderful students in the future. Mm -hmm. But um or we'll just have people who are really interested in Basque country things and that's what you're there for, you know, it's gonna be great. I always approach everything that I teach and even more of these class because like, like I say, uh, sociolinguistics is not my specialization, mm -hmm. but I really enjoy it and mm -hmm. I love it. Um, I try to teach and I, with respect. Every, that's the most important thing. Like I'm not, I might not be a Latino person, but I know and I, I respect these You're like aware. Mm -hmm. I, I'm aware and I want to teach these from respect and you know and we're in that's just helping like form these more self-aware like advocates for these communities and mm -hmm. you know these people that they're going to engage with every day yeah. and so Spanish in the U.S. is a very different course for you. And then, so what have you taught in the past? Like, what kind of, have you done, like, linguistic-y things? Have you done Spanish language things? Like, what have you, you So, done? I've done a little, I've been very fortunate, actually, mm -hmm. and I've gotten to teach a wide range of, of classes. Mm -hmm. I started from, from the basics. So, right. I started right. teaching Spanish. What's the name? Elementary Spanish. So intensive mm -hmm. elementary Spanish. Oh, okay. And then I taught intermediate Spanish. Mm -hmm. Uh, then I've taught introduction to Spanish grammar. Right, so you've gone through like all yes. the levels. And then of the I've language. taught advanced Spanish grammar, so it's like all the levels. Right. It's, it's a good like progress. But I'll tell you y'all produce like the most passionate undergrads. And then I've also <laughs> I've taught, I've taught so Spanish grammar. I've taught it like in class, and then mm -hmm. I, one summer I taught it online, which was an ex interesting. Yeah. List. Yes, because it was the first time that I was teaching online. They always try to maintain like similar things from the actual course in the online one, but mm -hmm. of course you have to change some things because like you cannot grade them in like participation, like you know, because you don't see them that right. much. 
what they do is they have like this chat session where mm -hmm. they have to there's like three different whites in the class so it's not like 20 people talking at the same time but like they're computers you know it's like that would be like crazy right so there's different groups and they chat for like an hour and they have homework assigned mm -hmm. and so they kind of like go through the homework and then I do not interact there I mm -hmm. do not interact so what I do is I see their videos and then I take notes mm -hmm. and I tell them okay guys like this was like this maybe you could have like improved this blah 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 what I did do though was I I like the contact with my students, for right? Sure, and this for was sure. like an obstacle to me because I feel right. like I couldn't show my real self. <laughs> I was like, what they're gonna think? I'm like there, like uh, behind a uh, like a laptop thing, and they like, don't even see me. Like you know? your computer program. Yeah, my computer program. I, they <laughs> wanted they want them to see that I care about them. So right. I did what I did was uh, like every every week because mm -hmm. they also had to submit stuff. This has been like almost two years now, mm -hmm. so I'm trying to remember. But I remember they had to submit stuff, and I would do. I would send them individual emails. So what I would do was, yeah, every week I would write like a kind of like a development, like mini report, like nothing like too much. Very, yeah, but very at least it was like personalized. It was like Robin, you did this exercise great, mm -hmm. but like maybe you should improve in this. Right. You know, or like, so look out for this. Look out next for this time. next yeah. time. Yes, like or yeah. or I don't know. And I know the class is just like it's grammar, but these students are like fifth semester Spanish students, so they do know stuff. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I can be more precise in their stuff. Like right. you know, because like, they can understand it and like okay, yeah. like be more aware. Yeah, because like sure. if you're in one on one, you don't want to tell them, oh, you're saying like these all the time. You don't want to do that. So, right, you're not saying the accent that you know, right. you yeah. know, like, So that was an experience. I liked it because, like I said, like I was home, I was in Spain, so I could teach. Oh, it also so gave nice. me gave me the option. So actually, when I was teaching, I was going to a conference in Berlin with Professor Walde, of and course. I was there, and that was I remember that coincided with their first session, uh -huh. and that's the only session that I'm supposed to like interact because I'm like, hi, my name is Ander, I'm gonna right. be your instructor, blah 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 mm -hmm. blah. I remember doing this from like my Berlin ho hotel. Like <laughs> I was there in Berlin, finished the, the conference, and because of the time difference, right. I had to sign. Like I had to log on in like I don't know what time it was, but like almost midnight or something. Oh, okay, like that. So yeah. I was like, Ugh. Oh. but it was cool. It was cool. Yeah, I liked it. And then I taught Spanish tonight. Sorry, but and I, that of course, was best that class. Was, that so was much fun. When I got that class, that was like, like well, the first time I got that class, I was really afraid because. Mm -hmm. Up to that point, I had only taught language classes, right. Spanish language classes, which yeah. is like grammar. You and 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 like because of the how we approach uh, teaching in my department, it's very like communicative language teaching. So mm -hmm. we focus on like practical usage of language. We don't explain grammar in class, so there's no that they do it online. Right. And uh, suddenly, I get this upper level class where I have to lecture, and my references were my professors, which were like. They were great, mm -hmm. but I was like, "Wow!" And I have to do this for like an hour and twenty minutes, two sessions per week, mm -hmm. and it's actual content. Right. So I have to talk about these you're, technical yeah, things. Yeah, you're like transferring from being the enthusiast to being the authority figure. Authority, but you still want to be enthusiastic. So right. it's like, oh, yeah, how? because when you're the enthusiast, you're like, I'm super interested, but like, I'm not responsible for knowing like that much or like these very detailed yeah. things, and then. Now you're responsible for teaching this I to, have to teach to like twenty students, and you're just and, it was, and am I qualified? Like, 
like yeah, that yeah. was my question because I got yeah. this class when I was uh, a lot of imposter syndrome probably yeah mm-hmm. and that was like I was given that class when I was in my last semester in my masters wow so that was a big responsibility right like I remember that some of the professors like some like uh, some people in the department asked me like Andrew do you think you're ready like because mm-hmm. Uh, so I talked to Professor Wilde and he was like, Ander, let's do one thing. Because I did request that class before. I wanted to request it from earlier. Mm-hmm. But he said, okay, Ander, let's wait until you take my class. So you see how I do stuff. And right. then you request it. And I requested it and they gave it to me. And it was really, really, really okay. cool. And I learned so much. And it was, you know, it was the first time that I was having students that were Spanish, like officially majors, majors or minors. Because like, like up to 204, like which is advanced grammar, they mm-hmm. really don't know if they're going to do Spanish okay, or not, right? Yeah. Getting questions, like I, I still remember this student who I still uh, keep in touch with. He's amazing. He asked me this question that I was like, wow, mm-hmm. good. He was asking me like when we were talking about the VOT in Spanish and, and this class is very is very focused mm-hmm. on on like difficulties for English uh, learners right, like right. approaching Spanish mm-hmm. so of course you have to talk about the BOTM and how they do with the pataka how they like pronounce the like they, they produce the aspiration right mm-hmm. and when you show them the chart and you show them how like Spanish relates to English you see that Spanish some like the um, some VOTs are negative mm-hmm. and they are and they were asking me like this kid asks me and there how can VOT be negative and I was like, okay, let's go. Let's good explain question. this. And let's it's good. Do it. like, and then that's how I explained to them that For it's sure. like a time thing that your vocal cords start vibrating before you open them out. That's mm-hmm. like all the their voiced plosives have this. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. Yeah. That like a student actually asks you something like that. or uh, That's because they want to know. They're curious. They're curious and they're interested and they're invested. And it's really nice to see. I'm really, and it's really nice to see like an instructor like you who is invested enough. And I'm super interested and like super, I, I love it. And I you love learn it. from your students all the I time. I learn so much because they, they ask you some things that you would never think of. Right. I, and it's, it's incredible. And, you know, honestly, I don't think a lot of people give our students, like, you know, students in general, enough credit when it comes to teaching them. So I don't know. And that's really. I just feel like it's really important to to consider your students and right. and even if I'm very passionate about my research I'm really passionate about my teaching as well and I love it and I really sure. try to tailor everything to my students needs and, and you do really well I mean again I can attest so, I, like, I mean thank you thank you sure. thank you thank you thank you that's that, that's like the best compliment you can ever get from like a student yeah. and and whenever like after they've been your students and they see you on campus and they still like like talk to you or they come to or they'll actually just like say hi to you and not do the weird like I yeah don't see you, yeah or you don't see me or they come to your office and talk to you and like oh, that's, that's that's amazing so that's so amazing well, and yeah. yeah we've talked a lot about your you know your relationship with students and with teaching and i guess like after the break we'll dive into your experiences being the student on the other side okay, yes all right everyone stay tuned you about kind of your experiences like being their student being their advisee being their colleague you know in some instances and then like how that experience has been for you this is the third higher level like um higher education institution you've been at mm-hmm. you started you did your undergrad in in the Basque country you did a study abroad in Colorado yeah and then you ended up here somehow in the middle of this uh cornfield as I mm-hmm. like to call it so I kind of wanted to see, like, what's it like 
what has it been like being an international student um, and international in the sense that you're an international student like we categorize here but also just because you have being studied everywhere. internationally you know it's like, been yeah, yeah yeah I mean it's been it's been really enriching so like you said I started in Spain in mm -hmm. well in the University of the Basque Country mm -hmm. uh, in Basque mm -hmm. I did my BA in English and Linguistics because, well, the reason why I, 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 I did English was because I loved English, I loved the culture, I loved the language, and I, my thinking was, that's going to give me a chance to go abroad and to, like, to travel, right? For sure, yeah. And so I did that, and mm -hmm. at that point, I still didn't even know what linguistics was, you know? Like, right. when, you're, when you're taking Spanish in high school, you get, like, the syntactic, like, the, the trees and all these, and I loved that. Like, that was, like, my thing, and then when... I was like, oh, there's a degree in like the science of language. Let me get there. And it's really interesting because I'm just making a connection now because, you know, during the break, you mentioned that you were originally an architecture, uh -huh. you know, major or anything. But technically, don't you work with the architecture of language? Yeah, there are that's many there are do. many books that start with the architecture of stuff. Maybe, that's linguistics. Maybe not technical drawing, but you know, still yeah. something. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I just I yeah. And mm -hmm. um, so yeah, linguistics and language science. Yeah. that was a huge thing because I didn't learn about linguistics until I was in college either. Yeah, um, and I'm so excited. So uh, like you were saying, it's very 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 different. Like mm -hmm. the educational educational model we have in in Spain, for example, mm -hmm. or what we have in the U.S. It's so different, and I feel like you learn from both. Right. And I remember, like I was saying in the break, uh, Professor Aurore Ross, when she was doing the French uh, oral proficiency interview two uh -huh. years ago to me, one of her questions was, uh, please describe the educational model in Europe and in the US and tell me which one's the best. And That's I'm like, ooh, wow. She brings out the big guns. Like, yes. She doesn't hesitate. Yes. She's great. Oh, she's so great. So, um, I love working with her. I learned so much in her seminar. She's intense and she just knows all of the things. And she's like a great person on top she of it. She is a great person. Oh, I just like, I see her walking down the hallway and I just, I get happy to yeah. see her. I'm just like, hello. So. Anyway, but yes. Like I was saying, what it is to be an international student mm -hmm. where, uh, I've always been a student, I've always, how would I describe myself? I am very curious. Mm -hmm. I'm very curious and I love to learn. Mm -hmm. I love to learn from the subject and I love to learn from the professors. Right. That's something that I've, I've had like very internalized in me. I think that I, and like the same way that I try to connect with my students, I try to connect with my professors. Because mm -hmm. I think that it's, I feel like these people have, being where you are a long time ago and they've been doing what they do for a long time and if your goal is to work on what they do like be someone like them mm -hmm. i feel like that's they're the ones to ask mm -hmm. you know and so when i started um my ba in in the university of the basque country mm -hmm. i had this amazing professor that i still uh i love her she i email her she emails me she's she's amazing uh, she must be so excited that you work in you know the united states and you're yeah, using the English yeah yeah every day yeah and uh it's cool because she she was actually one of my recommenders to get here so Aww, that's that's, that's so, cute yeah that's always great and <laughs> she was the one that she was my linguistics intro to linguistics and then linguistics two instructor oh, okay. and then she also taught typology oh, and uh 
she was the one that really she saw something in me definitely because i remember that one time i i had some questions for for the final exam in her mm -hmm. class because as you know in spain one of the very like a, a big difference compared to the u.s is that we have a very important final exam that may count for the 70 percent of your final grade so if you're if you don't do well you're screwed you know right mm -hmm. um i was like why do we do this? Like, if we say this, why do we do this? And mm -hmm. she was like, wow, this kid is asking me some questions that... Yeah. So I remember that she um, she told me, okay, under those questions that you are asking me, like, don't worry, that's not going to be in the exam, but take this. And she gave me a book of one, a book that she had written mm -hmm. that compared 80 languages in the world. So the name of the book, I don't have it here, I have it in Spain. It's, I remember, it was like... 80 languages around the world so like kind of like wow. traveling around the world like in 80 days like the uh -huh. like the book you know yeah. uh, she did it with like 80 languages and that she she compared cool. the typology of each one of them and how like they relate to each other mm -hmm. and um, so she gave that to me and I didn't see this until the next day because I didn't even open it mm -hmm. but I was like wow a professor gave me a book for free cool yeah, right and uh, I see there like a little note that she wrote and she said uh, this is for you I'll wait for yours in the future. And I was like, wow. That is incredible. That's when I was a freshman. So imagine that. That is incredible. And so oh, wow. the first time when I when I wrote my my uh, dictionary, which is not a book, but it's like a dictionary. It's in a very it's actually a very important dictionary with so, respect especially to Bas dialectology. So Bas dialectology, yeah. So, yeah. And so I sent an email to her and I sent her like a copy before like oh. like a like before to nobody else I sent it to mm -hmm. her and yeah. Like a PDF. That's so great, and you made like that connection very early on in your yeah, and and that's so, and that's something that my um that my professors in in like at the University of the Basque Country didn't really understand. Like when I was for well, my second year, I had more linguistics. Like pretty much half of my classes were in the English department, half of them were in the linguistics department, mm -hmm. and. When um, my second year, then I also had like English phonetics and English morphology, and I I, I love those classes. They were really hard classes, but oh, I, I sure. learned so much. And yeah. and yeah, like I was with one of the with my English phonetics professor mm -hmm. this uh, past summer in Barcelona in a conference, and I was oh, so cool. They were okay. She was there. Yeah, she yeah. was there, and it was so cool to she see her. She must have been so proud. She's so proud you. that I got to work with Professor Wilde. Like she was the one recommend. Like she was another recommender actually. Right. She 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 suggested to me. Because she asked me like, Anna, what do you wanna, what do you wanna do?" Mm -hmm. And I told her, well, "I would like to focus on like more than English. I would like to do something with my native languages, like Basque or Spanish." And she said, "Well, vale, vale, go there." And so that's when I started to look more into like this apartment and right. all that. But like, what I was saying is that my my professor at the U at the University of the Basque Country, once I got back from Colorado, and I was like, "I mean, if I wanna come to the U.S. for my master's, right?" Like, after I finish my, my BA, like, during the same year, you know, like, if I finish in May and I want to come here in August, I need to apply for December when I'm a senior in the University of the Basque Country. Right. So, uh, I was telling some of my professors that I wanted to do, like, a master's in mm -hmm. linguistics and maybe a PhD as well. And in a way, they were surprised that I was, like, so, like, oh, I know I want to do this, you know? Like, right. according to them, they were not used to seeing students like that. And I was like, mm -hmm. why? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's because we're more... 
we decide to stay in, you know, like we don't want to go out or something. Right. And like you want to stay where you're comfortable. And yeah. then there's, there is rarely, you know, there is, I mean, I'll say that like, I don't think, you know, looking back, cause I have a friend right now who is, she just finished up the university of Alabama with a double in, in classics and Italian. Okay. And BA, now she, sorry, you said? In her, oh. yeah, her BA. And now she's doing her magistrale in Italy. And she's just, she was completely thrown off the first day by the model of classes. You don't register for classes. You just show up, and then you and then you just register for the exam at the end. Okay, uh, for uh, ours was different. We yeah. do we do we do register for classes before mm -hmm. the semester starts. But something that is different from that, say the U.S. system, is mm -hmm. that once you get once you choose your major. All your classes, it's like a package. Right. It's like a package that comes. You like, don't need an advisor. You just need. You to don't be need an advisor exactly. These are the classes. Like right. and then once right. you, like in some universe, some programs like mine, for example, then you can do minors in like different languages or like mm -hmm. in English linguistics or in linguistics per se mm -hmm. or something like that. That's the like that that's 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 the freedom you have that you can choose a minor if you want to do a minor. But like once you choose a minor, the classes are in there. Like. You have to do the the class. It's another order. package. It's another. It's like a mini package. It's, just, you know? it's a sub package. You know? So that's something that, um, like, I mean, it's good because it doesn't give me anxiety in the sense that, oh my god, how am I gonna feed my my schedule? Like, because everything works out. Everything's just done for. It's you. done for you. Right. And um, and she was. I think that's what freaked out my friend because she's just like, I'm not. No one's talking to me. I don't have an advisor. I don't have yeah, choices. But yeah. it's you know, and now they're doing better. And, you know, and they're having, and she's having a great time. Now, I think then the masters. I mean, at least from what I know from my uh, alma mater in Spain, mm -hmm. I think it's different. Like when, if you do the linguistics masters, I think it's more like it's it's more like here mm -hmm. because I feel like they're 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 realizing that this is how it should. I, I feel, I mean, I, maybe I shouldn't right. say that, but this is like what works best for students. Uh, like you're gonna find good, good things and bad things in grad school and you should just try to focus on like your things and if there's like bad things, you know, well, like, bye, you know? Right, That's it. next. Like next. Thank you, next. Thank like, you, Ariana. next. There, there we go. go. There you go. So yeah, and there's, that's just so insightful. Um, and we'll we'll keep up with this insight in the next section when uh, Ander, you know, gives advice to, to baby Ander. Oh, wow. Just a moment. Stay tuned. <laughs> A wonderful, wonderful conversation with Ander. And so to wrap up the episode, of course, we're going to do the classic Radlings lessons learned. Ander, if you could go back in time, talk to baby Ander, figuring it out, what would you want him to know going into the grad school game? And if you could capture your experience with like a hashtag, mm -hmm. what would you say? So I would say two things. Okay. Okay. And I feel like my hashtag okay. only applies to one. Okay. For, so I think the two things that I would tell myself in the past would be, first of all, that I should enjoy myself more. So, you know, like all the, all the self-care stuff. Life, I think yeah, that that's life work balance, like life-work sure. balance, definitely. Because mm -hmm. I just, so I, I mean, I, I came from a BA straight to like the MA mm -hmm. and I'm a very ambitious student and I, I like to work and I, I love to work. And suddenly I was like doing research with people like Professor Walde and... I was just like so excited. 
I was very excited and I would work like non-stop and I wouldn't stop myself many times mm. so I feel like many times I had to he was even surprised there was there was one time that he asked me to like um, mm. analyze some data and uh, like run a script and then like organize all the data for mm -hmm. for for the analysis and I did it in like two days where mm -hmm. he told me that, that he was like he was shocked Right. He was shocked, and I did it in two days, and I know I, I was like I, I stayed up very late, but like I was enjoying it. Right. Like, I wasn't suffering. I was enjoying. I was like, oh my god, this is so exciting. For once, no. For, and uh, no, I was enjoying my research, yeah. but um, I feel like if I if I could go back, I would tell twenty two year old Ander, I would tell him, <laughs> Ander, enjoy yourself even more the first year of the masters, because I feel like I that was that was a lot. That was a mm -hmm. lot. I, I did my first year of the masters and I ended up with two publications and that's not normal, you know. One with Professor Wilder, one with just my, myself. I'm so envious of And you. but that's but that was not that was not uh, but looking at back what, at it. At what cost, right? At what cost. At what so cost, I for sure. So during that summer, I, after I went back to uh, Spain for vacation, mm -hmm. I was working in a summer camp with a good friend of mine now, and mm -hmm. she's a psychologist, and mm -hmm. she was the one that started to introduce me on this like self-care stuff. Uh -huh. And I realized that I was like, dude, I haven't, I'm not enjoying myself. Mm -hmm. I'm in the, U I mean, I'm studying the, in in a university in the U.S. Like that's so cool, and that's gonna be very good, and all, all like everything you want, but how much am I getting from it? Although like. If I take my work and my research like aside, mm -hmm. how much am I getting from it? Right. You like know, on the global, on the global perspective, perspectives, how sure. much am I getting from it? And sure thing, I made friends and all that, but I feel like I was not being my real self. So mm -hmm. my second year, I really opened up mm -hmm. and I started to be more like outgoing and more like I don't know, enjoying myself mm -hmm. and like being more with my friends here. And I think that's something that I would tell myself. And actually, some of my friends back in, back home in the Basque country, they told mm -hmm. me they told me that after that second year, they they could see something different in me. That it was like it was not just under mm -hmm. the the like weird the guy, the linguistic guy, you know. Like, <laughs> it's, it's not that. Yeah. It was something more. You're more there. like fully like developing your personality and yourself person. in different ways, uh, was, in, in more than just one respect, yes. right? Yes, and yeah. and now I'm even learning more. I feel like um, I'm really because I'm considering more things in life and. Mm -hmm. I'm really considering like everything, like you, like, you, like you were saying, the work and life balance. I'm learning more about myself and I'm learning right. more about other things, about other people and just seeing that just because something happens to you that like you learn from everything, you know, mm -hmm. and even if it's bad or if it's good and something that I'm, I would also tell myself is to say no to more things. So that is one of the hardest things to do in grad but it's, school. It's hard because it's like you, you want to do so many things, you want to impress so many professors professors so it just like take so much on you and right. you don't think about yourself mm -hmm. and it's okay if you say no that's something that I'm yeah that I'm I would tell myself so like the hashtag that I will use for this would okay. be you need to calm down that's what I would say so okay. hashtag you need to calm down yes that okay. would be that would be my hashtag for, for this it. part okay I love that pop culture if you can get the reference yeah but, taylor uh, would be taylor. really really yes. proud yeah. t swift yeah she's so, on it calm down yes <laughs> so i would i would have like said that to myself during uh -huh. the first years of grad school right. like not not just be lazy no but like say no to more things and like enjoy yourself and like like take it down a notch yes like, yes exactly i would do all that. And, like i'm the kind of person that i can take it like i'm 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 very hard working and i can work and work and work and and, mm -hmm. and yeah but like 
that you say like at what cost at right? what cost and sure. then um the other thing that i would tell myself uh-huh. is that every person is different and like not everybody needs to like you and you're not gonna like everybody you know so just let it go let it go and keep going let it go reference to frozen let it go let it you're go you're just pop know? culture king I'm, over I'm here pop culture yes no but like, so <laughs> really like toxic culture sometimes you know mm -hmm. you get some toxicity and um i'm just thinking like another like britney spears would be a great reference toxic right? yes. oh my god Look at you don't you're not even trying you're not even trying <laughs> hashtag you need to count out hashtag toxic hashtag let it go <laughs> amazing oh blonde girls like yeah. you haven't you haven't even like you haven't even mastered like you know the, the hispanic linguistics but you you nail down completely the pop culture yeah and then the linguistics will you know be at full realization in these two years after all these new publications coming out after the dissertations but yeah oh my gosh so no, but I think those are all super, really important things to keep in mind. And like I think it's very universal. Because sometimes you, I'm a very, I'm a person that tries to be very amicable with people. Uh huh. You know, so I always try to have a smile with mm -hmm. everybody, and sometimes you just don't get the same thing back, and you and you take it personally. You know, mm -hmm. you feel like have I done something wrong here? And maybe sometimes you have you have done something right and you right. didn't realize and mm -hmm. and it's a matter of having a conversation you know right but um some other times you just i don't know it's the other person mm -hmm. like if your personalities don't come along or just just like people that don't agree in like the personal level yeah then like so, you say yeah. thank you next all right ariana okay whatever <laughs> Hashtag pop culture. Oh my gosh, hashtag, the actual hashtag is pop culture. Pop culture keeps you calm. No, but anyway. Alright, well, I think that wraps it up for today. Andrew, thank you so much. Thank you very much this for letting me talk about Man, I gotta, I gotta catch up on my linguistics and my pop culture. It's gonna be, uh, whew, I mean, it took me a while. Right to get the reference, I was just like, "Wait, I've heard this because I'm too, I'm too focused on my research. I need to, I need to calm down. I need to calm down. That's what I need to do." Most people would agree, I think, that I need to calm down. Anyway, hopefully, listeners, you don't agree, and you will be hopefully joining me on the next episode of Bradlings. Thank you so much for tuning in, and thank you again. And all right, y'all, take care.